And so I'd love to continue to speak to you today uh, something that God put on my heart for our church this year, and that is to talk into the growing up spiritually. Growing up spiritually. I honestly believe that's what God's calling us to, to understand, that growing up spiritually has got nothing to do with how long you attend church. Growing up spiritually has got more to do with I'm more aware of my own failure, but I've become so much more aware of God's goodness. You see, when you become aware of your failure, aware of your shortcomings, when you realize you don't measure up and you probably will never, ever measure up to God's standard. We have this kind of false security in our lives where we trick ourselves into believing that, well, I'm not that bad. And we play the percentage game. We play the numbers game. Well, I'm 80% good. Let's not talk about the 10. And 10%, well, doesn't everyone have a rough 10%? And in other words, we, we justify. It's called justification. We try to dr- justify our moral standing. We justify our decisions, our behavior. And we live in a society where it's incredibly liberal. And, uh, and yet in the same token, we live in a society that's incredibly legalistic. And we have to realize that we are now facing a lot of dramas. Every week, someone puts a prayer request for political stability around the world. And I, and I say, well, yeah, obviously, I, I, I hate to see people suffering through bad policy. And yet we try to desperately find our sanity through good policy. And the truth is, you know, humanity is flawed. And so whatever you try to look for and whatever you try to look into, you've got to understand it is not perfect. The only one you can look into that you will see perfection is Jesus himself. And so what we've got to realize is that in a world where we are swinging very much to the right or we're swinging very much to the left. And I want you to know what church is and what church isn't. Church is not a left-wing movement and it's not a right-wing movement. And it's terribly sad and disappointing when believers who walk with Jesus find themselves being sucked into the narrative of today where you've got to be one or the other. And I want you to know that you can choose whatever political pathway forward. That is up to every individual. That is something that you are not removed from. God doesn't tell you who to vote for and who not. I think it's very dangerous when we start to play with politics. But what I can say is this, that he puts us in Christ. He positions us in the best position you and I will ever have, and that is We are actually right before God based on the work of Jesus, not the work of ourselves. And so what I'm trying to say is don't get sucked into the narrative of being, uh, uh, you know, a lefty or a righty, if you can say it that way. You know, we don't swing to the right and we don't swing to the left. We are Jesus focused. We are absolutely about the work of Jesus. And so that doesn't mean that you're polarized. It doesn't mean that you're paralyzed. It just means that you've got a healthy balance You know how to navigate some of these tricky, difficult waters. See, when God's not in your life, when there is no relationship, it's easy to fall into the traps that so many people do. And so I honestly believe God in his word can give us in the 21st century wisdom and perspective to navigate some of the difficult things that we face. And the truth is the first century church had to navigate some difficult waters. So I'd love to speak to you about what does Paul talk to the church about when it comes to growing up spiritually. And I'd love to do that for you. Is that okay? And I think it's important because I believe it will affect every area of your life. 
And so let me go, I'll, I'll start with Ephesians chapter 4 as our key reference. Is that okay? It says this, Ephesians chapter 4, no more immature behavior amongst us. Children are easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and to speak it in love. Be like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flows through us, nourishing us so that we can grow up healthily in God, robust in love. Amen. Do you love that? Now, the reason I wanted to use that is because I honestly believe that's what was on my heart for our church as we go into this year, is that this year is going to be a year where we grow up spiritually. And like I've told you, again, growing up spiritually doesn't mean that you start off a bit weak and you end up becoming a super saint. Growing up spiritually is not actually about becoming a super saint. Actually, growing up spiritually is that I've put away childish things. I'm now picking up responsibility for what God has brought my way. And as I go on this journey, it's really growing up spiritually is simply this, less of me, more of Him. Less of me, more of Him. In other words, it's a pathway to say, less pride, more humility. Less pride, more humility. And you see, when we don't know who we are, identity, we will allow anything or everyone or anything to define who we are. So pride doesn't know who, pride doesn't know it's basically wrong identity. I don't know who I am. So pride overcompensates. Pride has to promote. Pride has to self-promote. Pride has to overcompensate because I don't really feel that secure, but I'm going to project to everyone that I'm super secure. See, pride is a horrible place to be because it's living a lie. It destroys marriages. It destroys homes. It never lifts generation. It always pulls a generation down. Pride is a terrible thing, but where does it get its it's a source from wrong identity. So if the world doesn't know who it is, if we're telling a generation that you don't know who you come from, you don't know where you're going, in other words, you're just a random bunch of cells that have evolved over billions and billions of years. Now, listen, I'm not going to argue anyone. The age of the world is a very interesting thing to talk about. It's something that I believe we can continue the conversation because it's amazing what we're still discovering. We have only discovered 10% of the oceans, only 1% of the, plant, of the ocean bed. And every time we discover something new, it's mind-blowing. So we can't say that we know all of everything, but what we can say is, is that we cannot build our future with a wrong identity. And so we've got to let God define who we are Humility says, I need him and I want him more than anyone or anything else. And so your identity is something that you get from God. You get from a relationship. But as you grow in this relationship, less of me, more of him. Less of me, more of him. You're becoming more like him. But what is it about this relationship that is so beautiful? Is that as you go on the journey, you become more aware. You know what? I just don't measure up. You know what? I actually make mistakes. You know what? I thought that I thought I was over that. Oh, you know what? I thought I'd forgiven them. You know what? I, I should have had a good attitude today, but I didn't. I actually had a bad attitude for a week. Or maybe a month. Or maybe for some of you, you've done well to stretch it to a couple of years. It's what do you do when you become aware that you don't measure up? 
And I believe growing up spiritually has got a lot more to do with I'm aware of my shortcomings, but I'm just becoming more aware of his goodness. You see, because if you ever admit that you're not good enough, you you know, a prideful person will never admit that they're weak. Unless it suddenly becomes trendy and then we'll admit it. Because it's more like a popular thing than it is a real honest thing. We don't want to admit that we're weak. We don't want to. No guy ever wants to admit they're weak. And this is the same as well in some ways for the girls. So what I'm trying to say is is that God in his wisdom, in his word, he gives us answers way more than we realize. And so if you go to the word, and and the reason I want to go to the book of Ephesians, because the book of Ephesians is one of the strongest books in the New Testament to help you and me as believers, followers of Christ, to go towards spiritual growth. And I'm going to give you some examples in a minute, but I want you to understand growing up spiritually is that I'm aware of my own sinfulness, but I've just become more aware of his incredible goodness. When you realize that you don't measure up and you never have, you see, if you don't have something to cover you, it's a very dangerous place to be. Some people don't try if they're especially very good at things. I've learned this over the years that sometimes children that are considered geniuses. Oh, you're just a genius. You're just a genius. And yet, if you read books like Malcolm Gladwell and some of the other books in that area, they'll give you the perspective of some people, they won't try if they perceive there's a chance of them failing. I'm not even going to try. Why? Because I'm, not, I'm, going, I'm going to fail. I'm not, I'm not good at that. And I don't want to fail because I get my... And it's a very dangerous road to go down because if you're getting all your worth and value from acceptance, well, I did that and everybody loved me. And it's a dangerous world to be. That's why we need God's Word to help us raising our children. How do we get a difficult society? Is because we get difficult children. See, if you want a better life or a better future or a better society, you've got to work at the beginning. You've got to start with the children. A nation is defined by the way they value their children. So do we value the children or do we hide them or do we berate them or do we put them under pressure? No, I honestly believe that we have the opportunity with all the young parents starting to raise their families, you have a chance to raise your kids in a different way because you can bring the Word of God into it. You don't have to do it religiously and beat them with the religion. I mean, I've heard so many horror stories how people grew up and their parents beat them with the Bible. And it's horrendous, it's, and, and, and it's usually coming out of a broken parent anyway. But what I want you to understand is growing up spiritually has got a lot more to do with His goodness covering our messiness. You don't have to cover up your messiness. What I am saying is, is just admit that you've got it. Just admit that you're not as good as what you think you are. But that doesn't mean that you're pulling yourself down because God pulls us up every time. You just got to be honest with yourself. You know what? I don't measure up, but Jesus does. You know what? I do fail, but He has taken care of that. You know what? I'm not always at my best, but you know what? He helps me in them days when I'm, when I'm mean-spirited, when I should have been better, I should have been kinder. But you know what? In my worst, I found that His grace is at His best. You see, we've got to let ourselves understand that, yes, we do make mistakes. So what I'm trying to say is it's not a license to do whatever you want. It's just that God in His wisdom has created capacity for all of us to make progress knowing that we don't measure 
I think it's a healthy thing to understand. Growing up healthily is not that you're a super saint and you never get anything right, uh, get anything wrong. It's just simply that I know what to do when I screw up. I know where to go when I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I know what to say. And I honestly believe that's what God wants for us this year. I know where to go. I know what to do. And I know what to say. So let me give you a little bit of a journey here. Why is Ephesians important for us in the 21st century? Well, let me just give you a perspective. Paul, the apostle, he was the one that really took the idea. See, who started the church? Jesus. And then he took off. It was Paul who had to put flesh in. You know, it's like an architect. This is the, this is the picture. And then the builder had to come in and go, oh, okay, that's what you want. And so we thank God for Paul because he makes the, the idea of church that God starts And Paul is the one that brings flesh and blood to it. He's the one that brings perspective to it. So if you read all of Paul's letters, you begin to realise, okay, so it's not about whether we allow drums in the service. It's got nothing to do with the music. So this is what I love about Ephesians. So Paul starts the church in Ephesus and it's interesting because it's the third third largest city in the Roman Empire at the time. It's a city that is multicultural. It has people from all walks of life because it's one of the major, major trade routes at that time. And so it's a great city and it's a great city to start a church. And so he starts a church and then he disappears like he normally does. He goes on continuing the missions. But Ephesus, the church at Ephesus becomes a major influence in all of the churches in Asia Minor at that time. Six other churches come out of this church. One of the pastors at the time of Ephesus is Timothy. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy is written actually from when this time. It's written from this church. Uh, One of the other apostles, the apostle John, he's actually one of the pastors in this church in Ephesus. And so it's one of the influences in the first century. It's where God begins to do something. This is where you have not just Jewish people getting saved, but you have people from all walks of life now coming into a relationship with Jesus. And what is the emphasis of this letter? He's talking to people about growing up spiritually in who they are in God. And that's why you and I can learn from it. So this profound, it's a letter that is used to circle around all the other local churches in the region. And if you don't know where Ephesus is, it's what modern day Turkey is today. So Turkey was one of the major influences in the first century for the church progressing all over the earth. And so there's so much in this. So let me tell you what the first part of this letter deals with. It deals with the foundation of who we are in Christ You want to grow up spiritually? You want to move forward this year? You want to add some strength into your walk with God? You want to refresh yourself? Maybe you've gone a bit rusty dusty or maybe you've never had an idea about walking in God, but you're beginning to walk with God right now. Well, the first part of this letter is all about understanding this is your foundation. It's very theological. It's incredible. And you can learn it literally within minutes. It's right there for all of us to look at. So some of the things that he talks about because of Jesus, you're now acceptable to God. It's all by grace. We're adopted into God's family because of what Jesus has done. God wants to act and to speak and to bring His presence through the church. This is all in the first couple of chapters of of the letter of Ephesians. Everyone who trusts in Jesus can come boldly into His presence, assured of a glad welcome. So why am I saying that? Why is Paul saying that? Because it's a church in a thriving um, 
they reckon it was up to about a quarter of a million of the 300,000 people in this city. It had people from all walks of life and a church starts in the middle of it with people from all the different backgrounds, religious and non-religious, idol worshipping, uh, temple prostitution, all of these crazy things, traders, uh, poor people, slave people, affluent people, and they all start finding themselves in the house of God because they've come to know Jesus. And He starts to build a foundation into their lives so that they can live the life He's called them to live. So He said, this is who you are. Because of Jesus, you can come home. Because of Jesus, you can stay home. Because of Jesus, the barriers have been removed. Because of Jesus, it doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter the colour of your skin. It doesn't matter if you're this or if you're that. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're black or if you're white. It doesn't matter if you're educated or uneducated. It doesn't matter if you're religious or you're a mess. He's basically saying this is who you are in Christ. Loved, forgiven, accepted, positioned. Now you're ready to live this life of faith. And the second part of the letter, it just gets better. The second part of the letter, it's very practical about how we live our faith. So listen to some of the things. We are called by God. We are called by God. So Paul starts getting into it. You've got a calling on your life. It's amazing if people started living a calling instead of living to the comfort. So many Western believers today, they're falling into the comfort zone instead of living according to the called zone. When you're called, seriously, you live differently. You think differently. You don't pull back into Comfortville. You actually step out into what the possibilities could be. And I love that, that anybody can remind. But that's what Ephesians does. He says, so listen, you're called by God. So live up to that calling. Get on with each other. Help each other out. This is where it gets real practical. You're not just called, but can you actually help out? Less of me, more of him. How can I help you succeed? How can I help you write that resume? How can I help you get that job? How can I help you get a job in this company that I've started or this firm that we're a part of? How can I help you pass your maths exam? How can I help you get over that situation? How can I help you support you now? You've just had a new baby. He's talking about practical things. He said, now you've got a great foundation. Now that you've got no barriers, he's saying, now live your faith in a way that's attractive. Live your faith in a way that others want to follow. You're living in a society. In modern day Turkey, it was all Ephesus in the time. It was filled with Roman influence, Roman laws, Roman culture. It was a law sometimes outside of people. And and, and, and what does he do? He starts to speak order into disorder. He starts bringing function where there's dysfunction. And he starts bringing in the outcast who's now cherished by God, the outcast person who's forgotten, who's now brought in and loved by God. See, no one in society was doing that. And we live in the 21st century today. And we think we've got it all very good. Oh, Berlin is so liberal. Listen, it ain't that liberal. And that's what I'm trying to say is, this is what Paul's dealing with in the first century. Stay with me where I'm going with this, okay? Because growing up spiritually has got nothing to do with, I've got my little duckies in a row. Growing up spiritually is, there is no one or nothing going to stop us getting to know Him and making Him known. Second part of the letter, he says, you're called by God, now live up to it. You've been separated for kingdom purpose. Now live with kingdom convictions. Help each other succeed. Help each other out. 
Make allowances for each other's weaknesses. When you get all the cultural differences in our room right now, you put people from different walks of life and different cultures in one room. It has all the potential to go wrong. You come from Colombia and you come to Berlin and an atmosphere like this is reassuring. You're like, oh, as long as you're willing to leave your legalism behind and embrace God's promise for your life, then you'll do fine. It's amazing how people come from different backgrounds and they bring the old instead of embracing the new. But if you live locally or if you're a Berliner, which is always, they're very proud to tell you, I'm a Berliner. I was born here. Oh, good, good on you. But local people or maybe regional people or people that from the nation of Germany can tend to be very hesitant with getting involved. Some people take a long time. Some people take no time. What I'm trying to say is, is that as a church, we're going to help each other. There's nothing like people from this nation helping people from this nation. There's nothing wrong with people from another nation helping them from another nation. It's just something that I believe God uses in a profound way. But there's something wrong if we just turn it into the Spanish club or the Nigerian club or the German club or the Stuttgart club. Isn't it amazing? All the Stuttgart people always find each other on the first Sunday. It's just... And we all know you're not from Stuttgart. We know you're from a tiny village of six people. But you're from Stuttgart. So he goes on, he says, listen, help each other out. Make, it, make allowances for each other and your failings and weaknesses. He says, your spiritual growth comes from connection to community. So this is where Paul goes on this direction. He says, listen, you're all from different backgrounds. He said, but listen, your spiritual growth comes through your connection to community. And then he goes on, he says this in the second part of the letters. He's just he's saying God has provided gifts for us to learn from. Pastor, prophet, preacher, teacher, uh, uh, to grow and to become healthy and mature. And then this is what's interesting. He gets into chapter 5 of Ephesians and this is what he starts to do. He starts to bring order to chaos. He starts to bring function to dysfunction. And listen to what he says. Some of you know this, but I'm going to repeat it for you. He starts talking to the husbands. Husbands. And he starts to paint a picture of what a good husband looks like to his family, to his wife and to his kids. Husbands, this is how you're supposed to behave. And then he goes, but I'm not going to stay with the husbands. I'm going to pick on the wives. And he goes, wives, this is what a good wife looks like. And he starts to bring order to chaos. But he doesn't just stop there. He starts picking on the children. He says, kids, children, this is, What you need to do, you need to obey your parents and you need to honour them because this will be well for you and a long life. And then he goes on with the parents again and he says, parents, you need to understand this is how you help your kids to flourish. Don't anger them. Don't annoy them. Don't stress them. But with love and with openness and with suggestions, not commands. 
And if you read all of it, it's amazing. If you really want to build your home according to the principles of God, Ephesians will answer more questions than you've been asking. I'm telling you right now, it helps us to grow spiritually in the 21st century. If it was good enough for the first century, and if it was a church that God raised up in a profound time where Roman influence was dominating, I'm telling you now in the 21st century, we still need God's wisdom for how we build our lives. Husbands, this is how you're going to do it. Wives, this is how you can do it. Children, this is what it looks like. And then he carries on and he says, employees. He actually uses the word slaves, but that means you're a worker. (laughs) And he says, if you're an employer, do the best you can because you don't actually work for the employer, you actually work for God. And then he goes on, he says, you owners... You employers, treat your staff well. Why? Because you are under Christ. And so I love what is Paul doing here. He's saying this is what a church looks like that is growing into maturity. It's coming from chaos into order. It's coming out of dysfunction, moving to functioning. It's getting it from Christ. And it started by Christ. It's continued by Christ. He is the benchmark. He is the role model. He is who we're looking to. He has got answers for us. You don't need to Google everything. There's desperate wives, uh, desperate mothers out there who don't know how to raise their kids or don't know how to help their children and they're not well and they're desperate and so they're Googling now everything. These algorithms can't save you. These AIs can only suggest some other things, but they can't actually put flesh and blood into your situation. Maybe we can figure that out in the future, but all I'm trying to say is, is that There's something about this that we need to consider. And I love that he's speaking to the everyday practicals. Well, what happens if you follow Christ, but your husband doesn't? He gives us answers. What happens if you're a follower of Christ, but no one in your family is? He doesn't abandon you. He gives you hope. He gives you perspective. He gives you wisdom. There's no perfect person in the room. There's no perfect dad. There's no perfect husband. There's no perfect wife. And there ain't no perfect kids. But what does he do? He says, let Christ be your example. And then he goes on, and I've run out of time, so I want to kind of maybe summarize this, and then we're going to just take a few moments and just really pray and believe God together. Amen. But this is what he says. Listen, now I've said all of this. Now I've given you a foundation of what Christ has done for you. And this is what it looks practically like in your everyday relationships. You're going and coming. He says this, Ephesians chapter 6. Last of all, I want to remind you, your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. So he says the foundation, he says the practicals, and then he reminds us. And all of this comes from the strength of the Holy Spirit inside of you. How am I going to raise my kids? The work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. The strength that you need to build your home, to build your business, to build your life, to build your company, to build anything in your life is going to come from the strength that He supplies. You need strength for work, He's going to give it to you. You need to come through with these exams, He's going to help you. You need to build your family and your kids on the wisdom of God, He is right with you every step of the way.